वेलकम टू द ग्लोबल बिजनेस विद महेश जोशी आई हैव विद मी गौरव रस्तोगी फ्रॉम कैलिफोर्निया टू कंटिन्यू आवर डिस्कशन ऑन लीडिंग एंड लिविंग इन द एज ऑफ कांस्टेंट डिस्ट्रक्शन एंड डिस्ट्रैक्शन इन पास सेवरल एपिसोड्स वी डिस्कस्ड अबाउट व्हाट काइंड ऑफ डिस्ट्रक्शन इज हैपनिंग अराउंड अस व्हाट काइंड ऑफ डिस्ट्रैक्शंस वी आर फेसिंग एवरी डे नाउ वी विल बी मूविंग ऑन टू डिस्कस व्हाट शुड वन डू हाउ डू यू लिव इन सच एन एनवायरमेंट एंड अबव ऑल इफ यू आर इन यू आर रनिंग अ बिजनेस अ लीडिंग अ कॉर्पोरेट लाइफ हाउ डू यू लीड इंक्लूडिंग इन द पॉलिटिकल सिनेरियो आई हैव विद मी गौरव टू कंटिन्यू द डिस्कशंस Gaurav Rastogi is the founder of an artificial intelligence startup infinote.com. Gaurav is also the founder of a non-profit called Mantra Chakra Foundation that promotes healthy living through meditation and yoga. He is a meditation teacher with advanced yoga credentials and has also authored one meditation ebook. and a podcast on meditation called living meditations and these are available on iTunes and many other places so welcome gaurav hello again mahesh nice to be back yeah. gaurav we have been discussing uh, uh, a very interesting subject and very absorbing subject and in line with the current times for past several episodes uh, you explained Uh, in a very brilliant format in very simply what is distraction what is destruction so today i would like you to move on from these distractions and destructions to the next level how to manage it but before we do can we can you summarize it uh, for our listeners what we have discussed in the past few episodes sure uh, it's been a fun journey so far mahesh Uh, let's consider how we got to this point in our conversation we began with thinking about the man on the mountain who's extremely unhappy these are people at the top of their corporate game right. and uh, ceos or cxos of large public companies and are unhappy and uh, none more unhappy than um, then this guy who tweets at 3 or 5 in the morning complaining about how people don't like him mm-hmm. and clearly uh, that unease which is available at the top of the mountain is available all the way through down the mountain everyone who's in the workspace yeah if you look at this guy you are referring to without naming probably is the most powerful guy in the world <laughs> in the history of humanity for sure. exactly and um, and and you could argue that um, you know the same uh, the same kool-aid that's available on the top of the mountain is also available in larger volumes below at the at the base camp and elsewhere on the mountain which is to say that this disengagement is a is a standard part or part of the workplace and if you are a professional who's working in a company mm-hmm. either that you started on your own or that uh, that you run or are are part of or intend to be for the next few decades mm-hmm. you could be sure that this disengagement which is the standard feature in in corporates now is going to be pervasive mm-hmm. so we began our journey by looking at the plight of the man on the mountain and then we said okay this seems like the age of destruction and distraction and we spent some time understanding each one of them we looked at distractions and realized that um indeed uh, distraction is the new oil 
companies that are distraction merchants have of the top 10 companies in the world top 6 are arguably companies that make money from keeping you and i distracted true and this distraction has a heavy cost mm-hmm. we pay for it with not only our attention we pay for it with our well-being our sense of sense of satisfaction and our sense of engagement in our communities and with ourselves so we looked at distraction and then we turned our gaze to destruction and we realized that destruction is all around us we look at any sphere of life you look at politics economics corporate education and any public sphere of life that you look at things that you thought you knew mm-hmm. at the beginning of your career mesh you and i mm-hmm. um, things that we were taught uh, to be standard or given are no longer a standard or, or a given right. there is massive change all around and hyphen tech is eating into every industry mm-hmm. which is to say if it's hotels it's hotel tech if it's finance it's finance tech and so every industry has this bizarro world hyphen tech counterpart that is surely and not even slowly anymore consuming that part of the business and very soon it'll all be everything hyphen tech so distract destruction is all around and it's not just a destruction mediated by technology entering new industries it is a destruction of the nature of industries and the nature of knowledge itself what we know how we know those things are all being changed facts that you and i needed to remember we now expect google to remember for us True. so so those things are being destroyed and along with it what's being destroyed is the old at least a two century old industrial education system mm-hmm. which created these sort of look alike think alike talk alike uh, people mm-hmm. that um, that being alike used to be considered a good thing and is no longer a, a virtue because it turns out being alike presents this risk of uh, uh, you know a monoculture and every monoculture like the irish potato famine mm-hmm. every monoculture runs a risk of a plague that will wipe the entire population out mm-hmm. at least for potatoes it worked that way mm-hmm. so we looked at destruction and we realized that destruction is all around and it has a certain structure to it it's not entirely chaotic or unpredictable then we turned our gaze to what is the nature of this disruption and we looked at the hand and mm-hmm. we said okay we can actually count the sources of this disruption on the fingers of each hand mm-hmm. which is of course a pun as you and i joked about because it's a digital disruption and all these fingers are of course the digits on the hands right so it's easy to count and if not yeah if not a pun right so we looked at five ways in which uh, the world is being disrupted we began with the like Mm-hmm. which is new sources the rise of new media mm-hmm. we then looked at the pointing finger and said that at any business model that required the learning of a playbook mm-hmm. is uh, no longer useful so mm-hmm. you shall do this mm-hmm. is no longer uh, a workable solution mm-hmm. third of course i'm going to beep this out is the middle finger mm-hmm. now what that means is uh, this is the middle finger that um, shows you the rise of uh, a new type of power mm-hmm. power who doesn't care about, about anybody yeah exactly the exact ability to not care yeah. is uh, is the, the middle finger and then we looked at the fourth finger which is the the ring finger and we mm-hmm. said this is the new way of engagement mm-hmm. this is a new way of engaging where the 
with your end users. This is a new way of engaging mm-hmm. with uh, your partners and your voters and so on. Mm-hmm. And finally, we looked at the pinky finger, which is the traditional way of keeping a promise, mm-hmm. and also a new way of uh, of forging belief in a future that has not yet mm-hmm. happened, mm-hmm. and forging belief in a future that has that is unpredictable mm-hmm. to begin with. Mm-hmm. In the last 200 years, we've got used to to doing things that have predictable outcomes, mm-hmm. and now we are now dealing with a future which is entirely all unpredictable. Mm-hmm. So we looked at the five sources of disruption, and then we moved uh, <clears throat> and we pivoted a little. So since we spent a lot of time looking at the exponential increases or the exponential rise in the change in technology, we then moved our gaze to how should we handle ourselves and we looked at how there is a tripod of three things, humans, ourselves, uh, technology Mm -hmm. and the third leg of the stool is culture and we said that human, our culture and our technologies have traditionally co-evolved. And for millions of years, humans have co-evolved with our technology like fire, for example, or the irises of the eye that allow us to coordinate uh, mm-hmm. behavior or the speech itself. All mm-hmm. of these are technologies which humans have evolved with. True. Since that works over millions of years and technology mm-hmm. is evolving faster and has evolved faster, mm-hmm. uh, then, then, uh, then it turns that humans are not evolving for the last 200,000 years, which is great. Mm-hmm. But now culture must evolve to bridge the distance, sort of keep the the three legs um, balanced. So mm-hmm. culture, and if you look at agriculture itself, electricity, mm-hmm. the wheel, roads, uh, language itself, commerce, uh, currency, debt, um, electricity, railroads, internet, uh, what have you. So all of these new technologies, as they have come into our society, uh, our culture has changed and has changed in line with these uh, these technologies. And now we you know, if it takes place over 10,000 years, you kind of have enough time to respond to it and evolve a suitable culture. The problem that we're having now is that the pace has accelerated or has continued to accelerate, which means that um, we don't have, you know, 10,000 years, we don't have 1,000 years, we don't have 100 years, we don't even have 10 years, we barely have a, mm-hmm. a year sometimes to respond to new technology. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so what that means is uh, you sleep one night, with one type of Tesla car in your garage and you wake up the next morning with a completely upgraded and you know autonomous car in your garage. And in that speed of change of technology uh, is unprecedented and th- that degree of shift in culture is, uh, is hard to understand. So the shifts in culture are, are very hard to imagine. And so if you look at what needs to evolve now, clearly humans are not evolving. Yeah. Clearly tech- you know, technology is continuing to evolve on its own momentum, mm. and that leaves the culture to adjust. But how do we switch cultures so quickly that, uh, you know, how do we integrate Twitter into our, our public discourse, for example, and how do we do this repeatedly, quarter after quarter, and a new technology after new technology? And that brings us finally to the question, what cultural pattern can we adopt, which allows us to adjust Mm-hmm. to the fast changes in technology. And, and the answer is, of course, because there are three points to this tripod, uh, there must be culture that matches what humans need. And that's, that's how we find ourselves on today's conversation. Yeah, that's true. Very well said. And, um, and just to share with you, Gaurav, I was uh, particularly enamored by the concept of corporate elite, which I read maybe 15, 17 years ago. Brilliant concept. 
uh, at that point of time still valid. But what it seems like in, in, in an environment where quantum shifts are happening very quickly in, in various spheres of life and work and everything around us, uh, can you lead successfully or I would say survive by just being corporate athlete, which is a very good concept, no doubt, or you have to up it, you have to do something more than that. And uh, I was thinking after our first five episodes that that's where fits in the definition of a corporate yogi, which is like a corporate athlete plus more. And why this plus more is needed because of what we discuss, all the distraction, all the disruption happening around us and the speed of it. Then how do you get grounded? So when, when I say corporate yogi, probably you will, you will be able to explain more to our listeners, is not the guy who does yoga. Yoga is one form of it, there is much more than that, from the body to emotions and spirituality, whatever we want to add there. Uh, would you share with our listeners, would that kind of concept be needed in future to do the things correctly? Absolutely. I, why don't we take a break and then I can, I'm going to talk for a length about uh, what yoga itself is, what the roots of yoga are, and how that may be a very useful framework to look at Correct. as we consider how to respond to everything. Fantastic. So we'll take a short break now, Gaurav, and we'll continue our discussions after the break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. Welcome back. You are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. I have with me Gaurav Rastogi from California and we are talking about uh, what one must do to be successful and or survive in an environment which is inundated with constant distraction and destructions of various kinds happening around us including business models. And uh, Gaurav, uh, you gave us a very good intro or, uh, for today's program, which was kind of summary of the past five, six episodes. And we eventually arrived at a position that 
what should one do? And we were talking about before the break that could be we needed uh, uh, to have corporate at least plus few more characteristics or position differently at different levels to develop your personality, to operate in a particular kind of environment and call it, okay, you need to be a corporate yogi. When, I, when we talked about it, it was not the guy who was just doing yoga or sitting in the mountains. It is how you are aligning uh, your physical capabilities, your emotional capabilities, and whatever goes along with it. And the uh, question would be, why should one care about it? What's the need for it? So let me um, hear you, Gaurav, and uh, share with our listeners that why it is necessary to think differently and behave and train yourself differently uh, in the current environment? Um, I'm going to answer this question in two parts. I'll talk about the current environment first. Right. And then I'll take you a few thousand years back mm -hmm. into the actual roots of yoga. And I'll give you a sneak preview right now. Uh, it turns out Peter Drucker, was it, uh, who invented the term knowledge worker? Yes. And he used that to describe all of us who now in the modern age mm -hmm. are dealing essentially in, in, in knowledge and information. Right. And increasingly, uh, uh, that's more and more people are doing that. Mm -hmm. Well, guess who was the original knowledge, knowledge worker? Yogis mm -hmm. sat there investigating the true source of the self and true source of knowledge. And in fact, I would argue that yogis were the original knowledge workers. Mm -hmm. And uh, we should pay attention to that. Not just the studio yoga that you might see are all, all the way around, yeah. on which <clears throat> I could take a whole episode. Yeah. But the true roots of yoga itself, which is not merely in postural practices or pretzel poses, mm -hmm. but in far deeper the subject matter was far deeper than uh, than uh, you might imagine going to a studio and far more pertinent to what's going on today. So let's talk about today first. Why should anyone care about this series of conversations or this question? And the answer is, if you're part of the workforce, mm -hmm. if you are going to be part of the workforce in the next few decades, and if you're going to have, have people you care for who will be part of the workforce, then you should be paying close attention to this conversation for the simple reason that the destruction that you're seeing all around now is not going to slow down. It's going to speed up. And the distraction that you're seeing inside has already been weaponized and will continue to be weaponized. Mm -hmm. The rise of fake news, the rise of algorithms that know how, how we're distracted, how to make us hooked, and addicted to their applications and so on, mm -hmm. that has just begun. So when you look out from your eyes and you look at everything you know, it's being destroyed and will continue to be destroyed. And as you try to make sense of the world, the apparatus that makes sense of the world, the, the capability that we have for knowledge, self-knowledge as well as the knowledge of the world around, that itself is being compromised by the incessant distractions that we're uh, being faced with. Mm -hmm. And so if you are part of the workforce, if you plan to be part of the workforce, or if you plan, if you have loved ones who intend to be part of the workforce in the next couple of generations, you should absolutely pay attention to this. <clears throat> because okay. this will become the defining conversation, maybe in a generation, maybe in two generations, maybe in five years, who knows. Mm -hmm. Uh, but why? 
because it turns out that the speed of change of technology and the fact that technology has its own momentum means that there's no stopping that juggernaut of technology and as it catches momentum it right. will reach more and more places mm-hmm. and faster that hum- and, and faster mm-hmm. and those domains that were previously human domains if you look at agriculture which was entirely human domain right. uh, now mechanized agriculture exactly you look at uh, mm-hmm. production manufacturing mm-hmm. human domain now almost entirely uh, mechanized mm-hmm. you look at computing itself and information handling and 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 you remember this uh, we had this a couple of episodes ago computers were once people too yeah and soon a lot of job descriptions were previously people domain job descriptions and will now soon apply to algorithms mm-hmm. by the same name mm-hmm. whether it's radiologist or you know or, or data scientist or who knows what else is, is coming mm-hmm. around the corner but things that, that humans are great at that involve processing large volumes of information <clears throat> you could be certain that uh, there's an algorithm coming for you so where does that leave humans where does that leave human workers and that's the question that's going to be more and more prominent for people because it turns out you can keep climbing up climbing up but there's no more up left mm-hmm. and you know and the degree of of self knowledge the degree of self discipline that it requires to be able to keep climbing up to a point where computers can't get to you mm-hmm. it's becoming more and more uh, difficult and let me rephrase not just computers but technology of all types mm-hmm. can can't get to you and so so the degree of discipline it requires the degree of expertise it requires for people to acquire those skills uh they, most people will not have those skills most people will not have that discipline and where that leaves us is um is is mass unemployment of course mm-hmm. but also mass disengagement mm-hmm. with their work with their mm-hmm. society with, with their selves and mass unhappiness mm-hmm. and so what would follow is a great challenge to society because um, how are governments going to deal with the uh, you know millions of unemployed or underemployed youth and underemployed middle agers and underemployed uh, seniors and just underemployed everyone you can give them money you can give them you know stuff to do but eventually they'll run out of you know things to do that engage all of us because we're still humans a good analogy that i have that i that i use in my teams is the following you go to a, a zoo a modern enough zoo right and uh, and you go to the cage of a primate mm-hmm. like a chimpanzee or a you, know, a you go to even a mammal like a bear right uh, and you will see that their enclosures are not merely just enclosures with grass they have toys in there they have drums in there they have stuff that they can roll around and throw and what not mm-hmm. even rats in a maze that you're trying to keep engaged require a rich rich environment challenging environment for them to be fully engaged well so you think about you know animals in cages are unhappy because they are simply animals in cages and they require toys to be engaged mm-hmm. and they require a social hierarchy social animals require other animals mm-hmm. and so on that's just their nature and to to not be able to express their nature mm-hmm. brings immense dissatisfaction and those that degree of unrest in primate society or bear society is probably 
unimaginable. Imagine what happens in the human society mm-hmm. when we're dealing with similar or even more enhanced. Look, the capability that we have as humans, mm-hmm. the intelligence that we have as humans is far in excess of a bear in a, in a cage. Mm-hmm. So just giving us a drum won't do. Mm-hmm. Right? We will need to be engaged in our work and there will not be enough to work, enough work to engage us. Mm-hmm. So we will find alternate sources of engagement. Can you imagine the impact it's going to have on society when extremely smart humans, because all humans are, are extremely smart compared to you know even the next species in the evolutionary ladder. Mm-hmm. Extremely smart humans are given no challenges, nothing to aspire for, nothing to engage all of us. Mm-hmm. Mass unrest. Mm-hmm. So why should you care? You should care because if you don't care now, it will be the only thing you care for in a few years from now. Mm-hmm. And this is inevitable. Oh, wait a minute. Is it actually inevitable? Mm-hmm. And I would argue it's not inevitable. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's the segment we're going to get to now, which is the flip side of this doom and gloom scenario we've just pasted mm-hmm. is the exact reverse. Mm-hmm. It turns out what good is a human um, birth? Mm-hmm. How, how useful is it to be born into a human uh, body? Mm-hmm. And um, are we here to do physical labor? Are we here to do uh, intellectual labor and you know intellectualizing? Or are we here to do something else? That's a brilliant and, question. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and of course the yogis, which we will get to in the next segment, mm-hmm. the yogis came to the conclusion that, hey, there's got to be better uh, uses for humans, uh, human life than mm-hmm. simply, uh, you know, eat, sleep, mate, repeat mm-hmm. uh, sort of uh, situation, which, uh, you know, every animal does. Correct. So rising up, question, what is this? What is all around us? What is the true nature of reality? Mm-hmm. Those were the sort of questions that the yogis went after because that's the sort of knowledge which is useful to have. And interestingly enough, that's the sort of knowledge that you will not expect computers to be asking anytime until uh, we get to sometime in the near future when whatever sci-fi books were written about the, you know, what is 42, mm-hmm. um, right? Uh, or that's the answer to the question, what is the meaning of the universe? Right. So until computers start asking about the meaning of the universe, it is solely the domain of human life. Mm-hmm. And, and the answer to that isn't, well, you go sit in a cave and meditate. Yeah. The answer to that could be in far more enriching, far more en- uh, enlightened, a far more better lived, mm-hmm. a far deeper lived life mm-hmm. than ever before. And that's what's possible now that we no longer have to work physically, no longer have to work intellectually. We can now do our true work, which is working spiritually. Ah, that's a and brilliant that's point. That that's a brilliant point. You almost defined yogi very well here. <laughs> that what exactly it is. So, um, brilliant, very nice. Uh, Gara, we'll we'll take a short break, and in next segment we'll discuss about what's corporate yogi. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand, twenty four seven. We'll be right back. 
become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. Welcome back. You are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Yoshi. And today we are having a very interesting uh, conversation with Gaurav from California. We are learning about what's happening with the distraction and destruction around us and uh, how do we get focused on getting things done. And um, in last segment, uh, we had very uh, intriguing discussions where um, Gaurav has laid out the foundation for my next question, actually. It triggers it. So what is a yogi? You know, you talked about the physical aspect of work being going away from us, the repeatability and, and, and most of the physical need may not be there. Machines will be doing it. Uh, so in this section, can you talk about, Gaurav, what's a yogi? And what's the difference between the very popular thing which we all do, yoga, which is kind of an exercise for yeah, us, I'm saying. If you don't dig deep into yoga, question. what's the right meaning? Yeah. Sure, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> that's a great question. Yesterday I was at a, um, a yoga clothing store um, and uh, I walk in. Uh, I, I, I just wanted to buy, a, you know, a, a, a pair of pants really for myself. And I walk in, and they have massive, sort of, high, very high volume, uh, 1980s uh, disco songs playing. Uh-huh. Uh, extremely crowded, mm-hmm. and uh, and the, the girl at the checkout says, um, uh, "Okay, so you're a yoga teacher. That's interesting. What style yeah. do you teach?" Yeah. And I said, "What style do you practice?" And she mm-hmm. said something like booty yoga. Uh-huh. And that, uh, since I was standing, I could not fall off my chair. But if I were sitting, I would have fallen off my chair because it could not have been further away from the, the roots of yoga yeah. to have someone uh, talk about booty yoga, uh-huh. which presumably involves uh, doing sexy moves, uh, uh-huh. wearing tight yoga clothes. Yeah. Uh, that is not at all what yoga is about. Yoga... Um, <clears throat> You own an auto, you own an automobile, right? Yeah. And you've possibly taken your car to a wheel alignment shop. Right. And yes. if you have, the reason you took your car to the wheel alignment shop, of course, is, uh, if the wheel is off or, uh, off from alignment, then, uh, then what happens is it's a little wobbly. Mm-hmm. It wears out faster, so your tires don't last as long. But your ride is poor quality. Even though the roads in Houston are awesome and well, uh, well, uh, layered, if the, even if the road is smooth, your ride is going to be wobbly. It'll be filled with vibration mm-hmm. and noise, and uh, and just uh, and poor control over your your car. And so you pull your car into a, a wheel alignment shop, mm-hmm. whose job is to make sure that the wheel is properly aligned. It's centered and it's moving properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the word yoga itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. came from the earliest type of wheel alignment shops possible. Mm-hmm. The word yoga comes from the word yuj. Mm-hmm. which means to join or to yoke. Right. Yoke as in to yoke a wheel to the axle. Mm-hmm. 
not too dissimilar from your wheel alignment chart. Mm-hmm. And even thousands of years ago in India, this is between five to 10,000 years ago, they realized that if you don't take your chariot to a wheel alignment shop, it presents a poor quality of ride. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to, you're not going to be a, a successful in your effort at warfare if your chariot is out of alignment. Correct. So you take it to a wheel mm-hmm. alignment shop and somebody yokes your chariot. Mm-hmm. And the same analogy applies to yoga mm-hmm. and so yoga itself it means to join together to yoke and what what are we yoking what is the wheel that is being centered mm-hmm. that wheel is all is everything you can possibly imagine the physical body yeah. the energy body inside the mental body and, and even further inside mm-hmm. going all the way out from society and all the way in uh, to the true source of the self right um, each of those wheels needs alignment just as well. Mm-hmm. And so, so the yogi is built a highly sophisticated system, a highly sophisticated language, highly sophisticated practices, and highly sophisticated culture of, <clears throat> of wheel alignment, of centering your own wheel. Um, and it begins with society at large. Uh, what are my responsibilities in societies? Why? What are my goals and objectives in society? Then to interpersonal relationships, then to my own personal disciplines, then to my postural discipline, how physically my body is able to sit and, and handle, then to your breath and your energy body, which is still part of the physical body but below the surface of just the skin. Mm-hmm. And then, then to the mind. Mm-hmm. And then beyond the mind, mm-hmm. you can actually stabilize and center and ground each of those wheels mm-hmm. as you go progressively inside. So basically, the, basically what you said in a car, you, you gave a very good analogy. It's a very simple one, a wheel alignment, how it smoothens your ride. Here, uh, for a yogi, you're aligning everything to do with your body, which makes it work. In a way, am I right? Exactly. The physical aspect of it, the emotional, how you think, your thought process, everything getting aligned in a proper manner for an optimum performance you can call from body. You got it. You, yeah. And that's exactly right. And and if you look at, uh, and the Buddha came around the time, around, you know, uh, the yogis had been around for thousands of years prior to the Buddha. So when the Buddha was speaking the Four Noble Truths, he was... He was leaning into this deep well of, 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 you know, technology, spiritual technology, you might call it. Mm-hmm. And so when he says the first uh, first noble truth is, of course, the truth of suffering, mm-hmm. the word he used for suffering also goes back to the same wheel alignment shop that possibly his charity went to. Mm-hmm. The word for suffering in the yoga tradition is dukkha, mm-hmm. bad space. Mm-hmm. The word for lack of suffering mm-hmm. is sukha, mm-hmm. good space. Mm-hmm. Well, that what is the space? The space is this is your axle, mm-hmm. this is your wheel. If you don't have your axle properly aligned, mm-hmm. you have bad space, mm-hmm. you have bad alignment, mm-hmm. and your wheel is going to be wobbly. And boy, that's going to be a bad ride. Mm-hmm. So he said the truth of having a bad alignment of the personal wheel mm-hmm. is the first number. That's dukkha. Mm-hmm. And then of course he says there is a cure for it, and the cure for it is lack of attachment. Mm-hmm. And what is this attachment? All sorts of things. I'm not going to get into uh, Buddhist philosophy here. But the yogis thought deeply about this subject. And they thought deeply about this subject because 
much like the times now. A few thousand years ago, that region of the Indian subcontinent mm -hmm. was just like the US or Europe are now, which is mm -hmm. dominant in world global trade. You can go back to the economists' share of world GDP and you look at India and China and these were just wide off the mark, yeah. complete just... They were leading, they were, they were more than 50%. They were controlling the GDP, two countries. Huh? The global market. Exactly. Yes. Two, two regions. Yeah, two countries. Mm -hmm. And so these countries were super rich, mm -hmm. rich enough to be able to afford to not have to work 24 hours a day, mm -hmm. to be able to sit quietly mm -hmm. and ponder upon the true reason for being alive. Mm -hmm. And 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 if you look at Buddha and the fact that he could sustain a culture of mona, of monks in a monastery, right? Mm -hmm. You can only sustain that if the culture allows people to be off from work. Correct. Productive correct. part of your population, the young men mm -hmm. and women, they're taken off the workforce and they can sit in the monastery, and for years, mm -hmm. the society could afford it. Mm -hmm. Those were rich societies, and those rich societies could afford to spend time exploring the true nature mm -hmm. of the self and those findings were not just things that you invent in a lab and lab and you file a patent for it and then you charge people hefty money for it no these were fed back into the society and the society and culture that resulted from these learnings of yoga became rich societies not merely in material wealth they already had that coming in but also in spiritual wealth also in wealth as as, as it, uh, that, that can be transferred generation after generation. And what I know of, of yoga comes to me from thousands of years of this spiritual tradition. And so yoga is a deep spiritual tradition mm -hmm. that is not only interested in the afterlife, not what happens after death or before birth, but what happens every moment of this life. Mm -hmm. How to live more deeply is the subject of yoga mm -hmm. and uh, and that's why I call it the yoga of living deeply mm -hmm. and that's the pro project I've been working on for you know a couple of decades mm -hmm. how do we live in this world not running away into caves or shelters or away mm -hmm. from society but deeply engaged in society mm -hmm. living normal seemingly outwardly lives mm -hmm. but living them in a way that's so much more engaging mm -hmm. and far more deep, uh, deeply um, deeply satisfying. Why is this important? We just discussed it in the previous segment. Right. This lack of engagement and satisfaction mm -hmm. is going to create chaos in society unless we're able to find ways to engage all of us in things that are more meaningful. Mm -hmm. And yoga presents that alternative. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yoga presents an intact system that we can use and retranslate into the modern world and it will work just fine. So basically, uh, as I understand, that's a brilliant explanation, Gaurav, is, is um, I wouldn't call it a misconception, I, could, I would say the standard definition of yogi or yoga, people for yoga, they think as a form of exercise and physical exercise and for yogi, general term, they think the guy who does yoga, so it's very different from that. So, so it's a very small yeah, piece, the physical part of it. Yeah. So, the, you know, one of the, the most leading authorities in, in yoga philosophy is Patanjali, and he, mm -hmm. he laid out an eight-step uh, system. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, the eight-step system begins with the outer and inner discipline. Those are the first two steps. The third step is asana. <clears throat> asana means the you know your 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 uh, the the thing that you sit on. Right. Also sounds like asana. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, just the sitting posture itself. So postures were step three of an eight-step journey. Mm-hmm. But the journey doesn't start or stop at postures. Right. It's only one of the eight steps. And then from asana it goes to pranayam, which is an understanding not merely of the breath, mm-hmm. but of the entire energy body itself. Mm-hmm. And from there on, the next four steps are progressively withdrawing sense attention from the world outside, mm-hmm. being able to rest the attention on some object. That would be mutual, that is what we call meditation. Yeah, and meditation mm-hmm. in English trans- actually correlates to about four different words in, in, in Patanjali's system, beginning with pratyahar, which is sense withdrawal, right. then to uh, dhyan, dharana, which yeah. is you know focused attention, Perfect. then to dhyan, which is uh, what's called mindfulness by some people, mm-hmm. and then ultimately samadhi, which is the, uh, the final stage in Patanjali's system. Yeah. So eight steps. Step three is the physical postures, mm-hmm. and everything that you see, the lycra-wearing, mm-hmm. uh, sexy yogis, mm-hmm. are really just part of step three of an eight-step journey. The journey is far more interesting and, and fruitful got it, got it. as the further you go around the journey. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing wrong with coming into a yoga studio and learning yoga, absolutely recommended, but don't just stop there. Yeah. Go because the peace that you find in the yoga studio uh, that's only a trailer. Uh, the entire, the depth of the entire tradition is available. That piece is is verified yeah. over thousands of years and verifiable by you uh-huh. if you follow the six steps. That's right. the whole project. Of yoga. Oh, that's fantastic. So basically, yeah, it, it's good to start yoga. It, it's, it's good. So you're st- at step number three, a very good beginning. But don't stop there because beyond body, take it into your mind, your breath, your thought process, how to conserve, build your energy, how to focus. There's a lot more into it. So if you are able to achieve all that, then you are a yogi, not not stopping at level three. That's part of becoming a yogi. But you need to get everything aligned there. That's that's very good explanation. Uh, Gaurav and I heard you say in between that you work on living deeply. And I, I saw there was a connectivity between a yogi uh, because the mental, physical, all alignment with a few other things that you talked about, all the eight steps. Now, if you live deeply, you can even work deeply. You can participate in the society very deeply in a very focused manner. And you can contribute much better in an environment where you have a lot of distraction and destructions. So that gives you maybe a tool if you're doing it. So what we're going to do now is we'll take a short break and we'll continue our discussion after the break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 
become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. Welcome back. You're listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We are having a very fascinating discussion with Gaurav. Uh, in last segment, uh, Gaurav, thank you for explaining what's the difference between just plain yoga if you're doing it, which is a very big positive, at what level you go with that, and how good it is for you, and what does a corporate yogi do? When I say corporate yogi, I'm mixing it, just a yogi. That how do you align with yoga, the physical aspect, and when you become, extend that yoga beyond just physical exercise, how you can connect uh, the right dots to become a very focused and very thoughtful human being uh, by kind of becoming what the, what the yogis used to be. So uh, let's, let's move on, Gaurav, and discuss, uh, let's share with our listeners, why in current environment, with so much of uh, change with a very, uh, I would say, high rate of change, why it is important and how this can help for success in what you do and you are living or maybe for survival in future? That's a great question. Um, how can we do better than we are currently to survive in the future? Yeah. And, uh, and how can yoga and the knowledge of yoga contribute to that? Um, Correct. And you become a yogi. I'm just get close to it. And not everybody can become yogi, but what practices you can follow, you know, to align uh, your mental energies and physical and, and emotional aspects? Sure. sure. Um, <clears throat> let's talk about, uh, we talked about destruction of the world outside and how... <laughs> Uh, meaning can cannot come as readily from um, a very widely, very quickly changing external environment. Mm-hmm. Because uh, when when things were stable, then meaning came from rising up the corporate ladder. Mm-hmm. But if the corporate ladder is more like snakes and ladders, you're sometimes up, sometimes down. Mm-hmm. Then meaning has to come uh, from from within mm-hmm. more than it has come from outside, mm-hmm. and, and um, that's that's one reason why you should pay attention. The other is distraction itself is leading to a lack of self engagement and interpersonal engagement, mm-hmm. and undoing that requires the ability to hold on to our attention mm-hmm. and hold on to our attention with discipline mm-hmm. and both the act of having a personal discipline mm-hmm. and the act of holding on to the attention are, are subjects that yogis um, had a lot to say something about. Mm-hmm. Um, the book on the treatise on yoga by Patanjali begins with the first word at yoga nushasana and now begins the discipline of yoga. Mm-hmm. The discipline of yoga is, is extremely important because it allows us to 
to have a rhythm, a routine, and a habit structure that allows us to hold on to our attention mm-hmm. and hold on to attention despite the lack of meaning in the minute by minute happenings of the world outside. Many things in the world outside may not make sense mm-hmm. every moment, mm-hmm. but how do you hold on to do it? Mm-hmm. to your own uh, sort of experiencing self. So those mm-hmm. are things that, mm-hmm. that yoga teaches you and it's extremely relevant mm-hmm. to what's happening now. Mm-hmm. But let's go back to, to a, a leader. A leader's job is to to find meaning, mm-hmm. find energy within themselves and find deep reservoirs of energy. Mm-hmm. Not just the ability to work 16 hours a day, mm-hmm. but the ability to work people up. Correct. The ability to excite and influence people. The ability to 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 start and lead movements. So in management jargon, it would be smart work instead of hard work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so that's the leader's job, right? Mm-hmm. And if you look at Drucker's work on leader versus manager, this was his main thing, right? Which is not just about telling people what to do, which is a manager's job, but helping people find what it is within them that allows them to do what needs to be done. That's a leader's job. And mm. all these things require a good understanding of the energy body, mm. your own energy body and the bodies around. Now, you may not be familiar with this term, so let me explain what mm. energy body means. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when, when you look at someone who's giving a speech, you, you say, you know, if it's a rousing speech, Mm-hmm. Who is roused by the speech? Are you actually physically risen up from your seat? Or is your energy rising? Are you feeling an upswell in your energy? Naturally, if you're talking about us, an upswell in energy. Oh when, you, when you look at leaders and you say, this guy is a bold, courageous leader, they, they have a big heart. Mm-hmm. What is this heart that they speak of? This, this four-wild uh, organ on the left side of the chest? Mm-hmm. Or something else? Mm-hmm. When someone says... Uh, you know, someone's become dejected, they have a heavy heart. Mm-hmm. Which heart do they speak of? Mm-hmm. When someone says, I'm going to lead from the gut, mm-hmm. what is this gut that they speak of? Mm-hmm. All of these are references to the energy body. They may correspond to a physical organ, mm-hmm. they may correspond to a system, mm-hmm. they may not correspond to a physical system, but it's undeniable, culture after culture has come to the same conclusion that there is something beneath the surface of the exterior, the skin, uh, that that moves you, animates you, and animates the other. Mm-hmm. Right. And as a leader, my job is to animate myself in a way that allows me to animate others. And there's this famous factoid they give out in management uh, uh, leadership presence workshops. I'm sure you right, right, well. right. Uh, that uh, people only pay attention, you know, seven percent of your content, and I don't know the factoids are. Maybe Mark Twain said it. It's a whole apocryphal, but mm-hmm. it is said, and I misquote completely uh, that seven percent of your content that is received is your words. Thirty-five mm-hmm. percent is uh, the way you articulate, your enunciate, your, your mm-hmm. language, and the rest is your presence. Mm-hmm. And I may be getting the wrong numbers, but mm-hmm. you get the right idea, I hope. Right, the content is small, the rest of the things have a lot of 
inclusion the intellectual in content of your 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 language what mm. you can email across or telegraph over is 7% of what is received mm-hmm. and so a whole 93% or there some number close by mm-hmm. is they say inputs non verbal mm-hmm. but why is it non verbal is it just the, the way i intone my voice mm-hmm. it is not what people do not understand here as much in the western system but the yogis did very well mm-hmm. is that the energy body mm-hmm. is what influences the other when when a leader enters the room people sense it people don't sense it in their ears it's not what they see or hear they feel a presence mm-hmm. and that presence precedes them into mm-hmm. the room it is said and that is all about leadership energy mm-hmm. and that is all about the energy of presence mm-hmm. that can be cultivated through mm-hmm. the process of yoga through the discipline of yoga not just the post- postural yoga not just the breath work but all of it mm-hmm. being able to create gravity that attracts people to you is the the project of a leader the ability to attract people to you mm-hmm. is the project of a leader and here's the funny thing the word gravity itself mm-hmm. comes from of course gravitation mm-hmm. the word gravitation if you go back to etymology has the exact same mm-hmm. roots as guru a guru is heavy a guru mm-hmm. is is heavy because they are able to attract people in right and so a guru has gravity mm-hmm. a leader has gravitas mm-hmm. and a leader's job therefore is to build that spiritual power mm-hmm. that allows them to attract people to their 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 ideas mm-hmm. and their presence mm-hmm. and so every leader should pay attention to to yoga mm-hmm. because whether they know it or not they're practicing that craft if they're practicing it without knowing it then maybe they're intuitively aware of it or maybe they're just hacking it and mm-hmm. they will soon be found out got it So basically that's a brilliant point if you pay attention to yoga that is let's say you are only at step number 3 just giving good, good posture a good presence physical presence itself which matters you feel from your posture if you have grace and how you move your hands how you stand yeah. how you carry yourself correct and even the postural work of studio yoga allows yeah. you to have better postural presence exactly uh, and then you tell beyond that if you take it beyond that now you're communicating with them so if yeah. you are stable yeah. mentally yeah. and emotionally you will be able to better connect your thought process yeah. will be more fluid and and even decision making on problem solving will make you think better if all of those are aligned so if you had followed let's say all the eight steps of reaching the ultimate stage of yogi i'm not saying you go all the way eight for everybody but wherever you are there is a benefit so you can do but some deep work by going into it it allows you to do it. makes you think like that would you say that you're right and mm. i absolutely uh, think so so the thing is uh, once you're on this journey you realize that uh, it makes things easier mm-hmm. the more discipline you put into it mm-hmm. um being being able to uh, uh, to master your own moods Mm-hmm. for example that's that's a big one about yeah. connection to the energy body right, right? sometimes you're not into it and you know yeah. that peak product 
activity requires you to know what is the right mood for the right thing. Exactly. Your mood and your mood are mm. not very dissimilar. Mm. If you're in the mood for you know making great presentations and this is your moment, mm. in one hour you will do what you haven't done in the entire previous week. In fact, I do workshops on deep work with mm. companies. And uh, and I take people through a guided meditation where we've sort of we've removed the clutter and we've removed the noise, mm. and then people work in one hour. And in workshop after another, people report back that in one hour they were able to do what they weren't able to do in the entire previous week. Forty mm-hmm. hours versus one hour. Wow. That's the productivity difference of finding the right mood right. and frame of mind. Yeah, and no, so what, you can imagine yeah. peak productivity can follow if you're able to master your own self that, and able to yeah. understand how other people can do it. That's brilliant what you said. That, you know, the the problem in, in earlier segments you discussed the productivity because you're getting distracted. You remember in some of the segments, either Hewlett-Packard or somebody did some study that if you get distracted, it takes 24 minutes or 40 minutes to get back to the same level of efficiency in your thought process for a knowledge worker. So what, what I hear you say here, which is brilliant, is that physical, mental, emotional, all of this aligned, if they're aligned perfectly or thinking clearly, what you've done is you have practiced yourself to operate in the in, in a mode where you're working deeply and providing the maximum productivity. Although the environment is changing, but it's not baffling you because you practice in your, your mind, you practice, you practice your breathing, you practice how to manage your mood. So that's the step beyond yoga towards being a yogi, which helps you to perform and even connect better with people because in bad mood, you can offend somebody. Whereas if you can control your moods by this practice, your relationships also improve. You know, they don't, I would say rather they don't go downhill. Yeah. So they can improve as well. Yeah. So in fact, uh, I'll give you a flip around. Uh, like we said, computers were once people too. Yeah. And now uh, it's not the way. I'm going to give you another flip around to, to think over as we finish this episode, which is uh, just remember that yogis were the original knowledge workers. Ah, that's and a good one. Flip that around. Yeah. Knowledge workers in the future will be yogis. Perfect. That's wonderful. I think uh, we are at the end of this episode and this is very good to remember that we can learn from history also that yogis were the original first of them knowledge workers. Now we have all become knowledge workers because of the machine intelligence, artificial intelligence coming in and even the knowledge worker has to raise his level of knowledge which cannot be repeated, which is not repetitive, which the artificial intelligence can do. So that's a extreme rise in the level of knowledge which you need to have to survive and to attain that you may have to become a yogi to do that. So Gaurav, thank you so much. Very fascinating discussion. We run out of time but we'll continue our discussions in the next episode. Thank you. I've enjoyed this as well, Mahesh. Thank you very much. Brilliant.